breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. We got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board, basically that said, uh, "Has all of this paygate been just swept under the rug?" Hmm. Oh no! Haven't heard anything. No, well, no, no. You don't know Aaron very well. No, then. you don't. And I didn't see your message before <laughs> I sent this message to the uh, city attorney yesterday. My message to uh, Marcus Edwards said, quote, unquote, and let me go through it real quick. I'd like to know the status of the investigation into the pay raise issue. Has a company been hired? Were proposals submitted? If so, how many? What's the projected cost? Has the investigation started? And what is the timeline? <laughs> so I got a, just a couple hours later, I got a reply from Mr. Edwards. Hi, Aaron. A resolution to appoint Trenisha J. Hill of the Hill Law Firm is on the agenda for first reading tomorrow, meaning today. No proposals were submitted. Hill was selected on my recommendation as contemplated by resolution blah, blah, blah. The cost has not been projected, but would be billed at the standard city attorney rate if approved. The investigation will start after the resolution. Appointment has been approved by the council. Now, the resolution does not become effective until seven days have passed after final council approval. So the earliest start date possible is October 4th. So the council won't approve it until second reading, which is two weeks from today. And then seven days after that, the investigation would start. Now, if they say say no to, to the Hill Law Firm, they'll have to find somebody else. Maybe do a request for proposals. I'm not sure, but I would imagine that they'll just go with the city attorney's recommendation and let the Hill Law Firm investigate, and then we'll move into it. I don't expect it to take too long. I mean, it's only one sheet of paper, right? Yeah, you only signed one sheet of paper. It's just one sheet of paper. That's that all argument it is. just is absurd. You tried to fool us with two other sheets of paper. You tried to wave around. Right. To say other council chairman, if, you, if you're new to the story, uh, council chairman James Green gave a pay raise to some council staffers with no vote of the city council. No knowledge of the city council. No, no knowledge. There I mean, were council members that said, I didn't even know this had this happened. Had happened, exactly. Uh, he signed off on it. Uh, it went to payroll. They approved it back in, in June. The pay started. The pay increases started. Then once once it was discovered that the Green didn't have the authority to do it, the council rescinded the actions. Green says nobody on the council staff asked him for the pay raise, that he was just going to bless them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but other council members, including Ursula Bowman uh, and others, said no. There were council staffers who asked for a pay raise, at least one. And then others said, if she's getting one, I want one. So um, that's where it is. I mean, was Mr. Green lying to us during his news conference when he said no one asked for one? Was Ursula Bowman lying to us when she was sitting in that chair and she said no council staffers asked for a pay raise? I tend to believe Ursula Bowman, to be honest. Uh, right now, I wouldn't believe James Green. Wait, Ursula Bowman didn't say no council members asked for a pay raise, did she? 
No, I believe she, I believe her when she said a, a staffer did ask they, for a raise. Right, yes, right. I believe her. Um, I'm 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 on the edge here where when James Green is saying something, I'm kind of like Judge Judy. How do you know when a teenager is lying? Their lips are moving. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm there with James Green now. I'm, I, he's gotten to the point w- with me now that if you're talking, I don't believe you. I'm not buying anything you're selling anymore. And don't come knocking on my door Including for any money. beard butter. Yeah, not buying any of that stuff. Um, so the council approved an outside hiring an outside firm to investigate, and now here's where we are. So we're keeping an eye on it. I'm not going to let it go. Um, you know so I'm, in your vast years of experience in knowledge, the investigation, what do you think will will uncover? Um. I, I, I mean, they'll have to follow a paper trail. You you bet they will. They'll, they'll have to they'll have to interview the council staffers um, and find out did anyone really ask for a raise? How did this get started? And this um, will be under oath. I don't know that it's under oath. I think it's you know you know if it's depositions, yeah, it would be. But I think it's just an um, informal interview process first to gather facts. Fact but, but if you're going to sit in front of stand in front of cameras and in front of your constituents and in front of the entire city and mislead people, I'll say that mm-hmm. mislead people, not state true facts. I have no, I have no confidence that anybody's going to tell this investigator uh, anything different. Uh, then, then that report's going to look really interesting because they're going to have to come to some determination. Um, how did this happen? What happened? And I, and I also, to be honest with you, I want to know in HR how did this how get? Did, how did this keep running up? The how flagpole? did it keep going up the flagpole? Right. Um, we don't have an ordinance attached to James Green's letter like you would have in the past. You would have had an, an ordinance attached to the the letters from Jerry Bowman and James Flurry which they pulled that letter off single-handedly and waved that letter around like they approve raises without authority. No, that letter was attached to an ordinance or to a budget amendment or right. to whatever, and you pulled that letter off. So uh, who did that? Who pulled that letter off? Was it a council staffer? Was it Alan Jackson? Well, was see, it James now, Green? Me thinks the council staffers aren't as innocent as we were led to believe. Me thinks you might be right. Me thinks we, you might we be already right. we already know the involvement Miss Fleming's had be, in, in previous administrations. Mm-hmm. Boy, did you watch that yesterday? The council, no. When they got to that, I was item, still working. When they got to that item on the agenda where it says, "What is it? What's the verbiage?" You had it yesterday. Oh, correctly. yeah, the the status. employment status of council staff. Tabitha Taylor says, uh, "What is this on the agenda? Employment status." Um, and there was crickets. Nobody said a word. It was like... Well, somebody I, had to put it on the agenda. We know who did. She knows who did. Um, and But they didn't want to talk about it during the work session. They wanted to do it today. During the big meeting, when it, this is the official meeting, when everybody's there. Grayson Butcher wasn't there yesterday. Um, I think Gary Brooks might have said, we'll discuss this tomorrow or something like that. But I think Gary Brooks and Ursula Bowman put it on the agenda. And I think, I, I think Miss Fleming's m- might, her days might be numbered. I don't know. I don't know that. I'm hearing that. Well, I, I think her days should be numbered, as should Councilman Green's days as council chairman. Yeah. 
They were going to go into executive session yesterday to talk about police body cam footage. But Ursula Bowman blocked it because they wanted to do it, you know, right then and there. And you have to have a unanimous vote. Is this about his tent and I don't, his badges? I don't know if it was about his commission. I don't know if he wants to find out how did you release the footage of me. Well, you know what? Body cam footage of all, even certain people is public record, right. Councilman Green. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what it was about. But they didn't go into executive session because Ursula Bowman said, no, we're not going to do it. Emergency And has situation. his tent been corrected? That's a good question. Is he still driving with illegal tent? I'm going to mosey by his church and see today. Has he got his Mercedes retinted yet? I'll take a picture of it. I'll put it up. (laughs) Somebody drive by his church. (laughs) If I I get to it before me. I want a picture of his uh, Mercedes SUV. He wasn't issued a citation for it. No, he wasn't. With the understanding he needed to get it corrected. You need to get it corrected. Tim Fletcher with sports coming up next. Micah McCarty, one of... Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. So last night, I watched some pregame for Monday Night Football. By the way, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are the Monday Night Football crew. Okay, cool. I'm good with that. I, I don't. I'm not a Joe Buck fan, but I do. He does a good job. Mm-hmm, he does. Yeah. He does a really good job. Absolutely. Play by play. Um, so I was watching the pregame stuff, and they hit one of these. You know how they sometimes do these stories, and I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, so I, I said, I bet there's a 9/11 documentary. Oh yeah, Aaron and I. I, I hit the disc, uh, uh, National Geographic mm. and ended up for like two and a half hours. <gasps> I said I, I I I couldn't even go back to the. I couldn't watch the game because it was so riveting. Uh, well, it was just. It was almost like it was disrespectful. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, if that makes, you. I'm going to forget what happened to these three thousand people. And the firefighters and the lives that were impacted. Mm-hmm. And go enjoy a football game. And go watch football, yeah. I just it just felt hollow for some reason. Right, right. Even even watching the program and it was pretty in depth and there was a lot of footage I'd not seen before. Mm. For some reason this fire captain who was a battalion chief in two thousand one had a camera crew with him. And they were on some corner. It was a gas leak in New York. They were like 13 blocks from the World Trade Center on that day. And it was just this mundane footage of them. They had a little Mm -hmm. meter and they were at a grate on the street. And they were, oh, the gas leak's here. And, you know, it was just a a call. I don't know why they had a camera crew with them. Mm. but, But while they were on that corner... You could hear the plane very, very low. In fact, the firefighters looked up and the camera panned up and and you saw it hit the first tower. And from that moment on, it was a lot of footage that 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 crew was with that battalion chief. And it was from his perspective. But even watching that and, and when they were in the lobby, you could hear what sounded like car crashes. And it was bodies hitting when they were in that oh. in the lobby. It was bodies hitting the the roof of the. Wow! Oh, it was just heartbreaking. Oh, 
Yeah. And 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 so you're you're in that mindset, and you're just you know praying for the families today, even mm-hmm. uh, of, that had to go through that, and then they go to a you know right, hot dogs two for two dollars at Sonic. Oh gosh, I'm like, yeah. wow, it's just I don't know. It was just it was. This, even even my wife came in and she 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 hates television, right? And and sat down and we were just it was just heartbreaking. It, it really it is. There was so much on yesterday on nine eleven and uh, all the news channels. They, of course, they covered all the events that were around the the region and the the events at the Y. I think they started a stair climb in Keithville too, the fire department there. So um, lots of things happened yesterday to honor and remember. Because we can't forget. We have to always remember we are vulnerable. I can't say the word. Vulnerable. That's it. Yeah, thank you. One of the fire captains was saying he was in the lobby and they were like, when the plane hit the second tower, and and he said, our our work just doubled. Yeah. And he said he looked around and he had his crew and he said, guys, you know, it sucks, but this is our job. We're going to go upstairs. And he said, one of the guys goes, man, we may not make it out. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, and he it was it was interesting. He said, guys took a moment and right. were shaking hands going, man, you know, great to work with you. And then yeah. he stopped and he looked at the camera, Aaron, and he goes, I'm the only one that made it out, out of all those guys. Oh, gosh. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. Mm. Anyway, I, I, I don't Tragic. I don't mean to go back and I, but we should. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just pretty incredible. Yeah, no doubt about pretty it. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, superintendent of uh, Superintendent of Education Kate Brumley will be joining us coming up later this morning. Mike and McCarty, one zero one seven. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on one zero one seven FM and seven ten Keel. Can update for you. Okay. But I'm up. But I'm up. But I'm up. After Labor Day, seersucker update. Yeah. I talked to my daughter. Mm-hmm. I said, I told her, I said, okay, a wedding in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. It's after Labor Day, but I'm still going to wear a seersucker suit. I said, do you think that's, any anybody will have an issue? She goes, Dad. No, and I trust. I mean, she, you know, she she knows this stuff. It is Atlanta. I mean, it is Atlanta. I'm going to give you that. Okay, but last night, so I told my wife, Mm -hmm. and not like a yeah. I talked to Micah. Yeah, you know. (laughs) uh, I said, well, look, I I talked to Micah, and she said she didn't think it was a problem. Okay. And then my wife pulled out the trump card. Oh no. But what if I don't want you to wear it? Ooh, the wife card. Ooh. I may be wearing khakis and a jacket. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what if I don't wear Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. That wins. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's a reflection on the man she married. What do you, uh, but, but is that a did bad she, reflection did, did that she, I look very nice? Did she marry a man who doesn't know the southern etiquette rules. <laughs> yes. She, or, or or doesn't care. Th- that That's a reflection on the man she married. Doesn't care oh, no. is not good. Yeah. 
You should know the southern rules. But if it upsets her, I don't want to. You can't make mama upset. I don't want to do that. No. Everybody needs to know that golden rule. I'm still holding out that I'm going to bring it. Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Remember that. <laughs> You've been married near 40 yeah. years and ain't learned something. <laughs> yeah. there you go. So there you go. You need some khaki slacks and a <laughs> jacket. There you go. You look good. I'm wearing a t-shirt then. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. You don't want me to wear my suit? Let's okay. See. Let's see. But it doesn't look bad, actually. A black t-shirt with a jacket and then it looks nice. 1017 FM. <laughs> Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. I was I was talking to Ruben before you came in the room earlier about this. There was some discussion. Uh you know there was a, a murder. In the the timeout bar, Mansfield Road, right. I think it was Friday night, maybe mm-hmm. Saturday, um, a woman was killed, another man was wounded, and there was a lot of talk on the streets and among those that in are in the know that that parking lot's become kind of like the, the hangout spot. People hang out in that parking lot, they're drinking, they're dancing on cars, they're, yeah. you remember like they used to do at Juella and Greenwood Road, there used to be big crowds there. And police had to kind of go. Well, in and, and they would they would cruise, wouldn't they? They're cruising. Yeah, they're, they would. They're peeling out. They're doing donuts. They're doing all kinds of things. And businesses in the area are are having struggles with these people that are just hanging out in the lot. Well, the council yesterday heard from business owners and some of the um, folks who run the businesses in that shopping center, and there, and the police chief said something to them about, well, you need to register. Your business, the owner needs to register your business with the police department so that we have full authority to come out and take action when these people are gathered in your parking lot. Because it's private property. Yeah, but I mean, don't they have a full authority when you call and go, hey, there's people trespassing in my parking lot? Come run them off? Like if, if Ruben decided to get his buddies of Opossum and all their fans and just gather in our parking lot and start drinking and carousing. Is that an invitation? No, don't do that. All right, all right. Could we not run them off and then have the police run them off? We're a private business. That's our private land. But the chief said you have to register with them to give them full authority to act on your behalf. I did not know about that. I didn't either. And you put signs up that say Shreveport Police has you know control of this lot, and the owner stepped forward and said we've done that with this lot. We've registered. Oh, wow. And the chief looked at the signs and said, well, your signs are not in the right place. So there's a technicality about where they put the signs. But my concern is this got to the point where, listen to this story. And I'm sorry, if you're you're eating breakfast, pause a minute. Put it down. The homeless people in that area are causing an even worse problem. When they try to run them off, they're then brazen, and then they are urinating on your business. One woman even came inside the business and did something else. I'm not going to say it out loud. Inside the door of the business. They are not afraid of anybody coming and picking them up. There's no retribution. There's, they, walk, they walk off. The woman came in the business and did her business inside the door, and there's nothing you can do about it. 
Or apparently. Well, there is, isn't there? I mean, that's got to violate so many it, absolutely. health codes. And, but and do you have time to send with codes? 150 police officers down? Do you have time to send somebody out because a homeless person who probably has mental disorders needs assistance? So the police weren't there at the time when she did it. They she weren't? Just, no, she just oh, was okay. like, you're going to try to run me off? Watch this. Wow. And proceeded to do that. Can you imagine if someone walked in our front door and decided that's what they were going to do? Because they could and nobody would do anything about it? I'm at a loss. Yeah, how does this happen? How does this keep happening? And that's just one parking lot in our community. It's happening in a lot of places. And the chief did say, he stood up before the council yesterday and he said in the last 10 years, this has gotten way worse. Way, it was, it, it's been bad. But it's getting way worse with unruly crowds, people that don't have any. Because there's they know there's no fear of there's no fear of prosecution that they're going to spend any time behind bars. No, you're not. They're not going to be in trouble. They're they're just going to get run off. Even if the police do their job and arrest them. You've got prosecutors that aren't going to prosecute. Right. You'll they're going to the, plea it out, and they're not going to serve time. They'll be back at that neighborhood nothing, before the police officer gets back It's nothing but there. an inconvenience right. that they may lose an afternoon. Mm. I did, when I heard that, I thought, businesses are dealing with that? How crazy is that? And then on the weekends, it's a free-for-all out there. I mean, it's just right. a free-for-all. And a lot of them are underage drinking. I mean, they're not even legal age. And they're going out there and they're having a wild party. Until, you know, these videos, un until we show mm -hmm. that, you know what, this is not going to be tolerated. Right. Th these videos of people just going into stores and mm -hmm. smashing and grabbing and walking out oh. with impunity. And then when we have someone killed, then we start getting active about it. Well, then we're going to go, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Mm. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Kiel, Mike and McCarty. <laughs> talking about society just society mm -hmm. there's there's we've lost the first of all we've lost the art of just being able to discuss yes differences with one another mm -hmm. I, I i told you and of course now this was years ago uh, i saw an interview with um uh, mike farrell who played honeycutt on mash yes he was a Hollywood liberal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, yeah, no surprise. Right. It's a surprise when you find one that isn't. But he, in this interview, he was talking about what he thought. And I don't even remember because I was going, he's so respectful. He's, he's, he's makes sense. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, you know, pleading his case in a respectful manner. And I'm like, I, I could sit and talk with this guy. I like right, this guy. Right. I don't agree with him, but we could hang out. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case anymore. It's not the case. If if you don't agree, you're going to get shut down. Yeah. You're going to get canceled. Mm -hmm. right. You're going to get canceled. 
it's 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 pretty sad how that happens and it happens to a lot of people i like having a healthy discussion i don't agree with everything either side says you and i have disagreements absolutely but i'm willing to listen to you and then tell you you're a dummy i mean uh, that <laughs> i'm sorry reuben <laughs> reuben you, did, you choked the mid yawn there a dumbass is that's the word is you that okay reuben for? i didn't know if that was okay yeah that one's fine okay <laughs> Yeah, um, but you know that's okay, and, and you're not wrong. I'll tell you that. It's just, can we respectfully disagree and say, you know what, I, I I disagree with you. I think you're wrong, and not just go for the jugular every time. But you can you can attribute this. You can go back to, and I can almost tell you when. It's it's the uh, the whole entitlement culture. The whole, not just the Me Too, mm-hmm. but the when you start, and it goes back to the Obama administration, this disrespecting of authority and of police. When Obama said, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin, vilifying the police. And, and you can you can see from that moment, you know, the attitude, the attitude towards not only police, but authority in general, our legal system. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just, I don't know where that came from. But. We were, we're just, we, we don't know how to fight properly anymore. Back, we really don't. No, no. And, and now, you, you know, you don't want to get into a disagreement. You used to throw fists. Now they're throwing lead mm-hmm. yeah. without, a, without a second thought. Absolutely. And people are dying. Next hour, Cade Brumley, Superintendent of Education, going to join us. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. FM, 710. Was I cursing? No, I don't think so. Mike Mike and McCarty. By the way, when do barrels start going up on I-20? The 18th, I think, is the day they start. Oh, so it's next week. Yeah, I I was I was thinking it was coming up pretty quickly. I think it's the 18th. I may be wrong. Aaron, I'm kind of honestly disappointed in the plan. Why? Well, I was thinking they were going to resurface I-20 through our area. And apparently in Caddo Parish... In Shreveport, they're only doing patchwork. Yeah, patchwork. Mm-hmm. Now she yeah. said they are tearing it up in Bossier. And, and, and no, no, she said in Shreveport they're also going to be replacing okay. sections. Yeah, but that come on, that never works. It doesn't hold up for it years. It doesn't hold yeah. up. Then you've got different. I, well, I, I was just kind of disappointed mm-hmm. uh, when we talked with uh, Aaron Buchanan from the DOTD and, last week. And I, I I tell this story over and over and over again, and I'm, I'm like beating a dead horse. We're doing something wrong. We're doing something different. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine. You haven't heard my sound effects story yet. But I, um, back in the, for years, I took a group of ladies to Dallas to Christmas shop. And we would, Shreveport Limousine would bring us in a beautiful oh, yeah. limo. Yes. And then we would come back and, and we'd have a nice shopping outing. And it was a day, you know, we'd start early in the morning and come back late at night. 
and we would typically on the way back we're drinking wine and we have wine glasses in the wine holders because in the somebody limo. else is driving somebody uh, else is driving yeah it's fine right, right. a hired and driver we the the last trip i made which was probably three or four years ago we're coming back and we have our wine glasses and there's a dozen women in the limo okay and we I would, have i would love to live in aaron's world yeah just, just for a day and we have our wine glasses in the wine in the cup holders in the limo we come to the Texas state line, and we're coming into Louisiana, and then all of a sudden, this started. Our wine glasses started rattling. <laughs> right. As soon as we hit the roads in Louisiana, I can't duplicate the wine glass noise, but I'm doing it as good as I can. And I looked around, and I thought, what is going on? And the driver, he, he I, you know, I buzzed, and he goes, I said, what's going on? He goes, we just hit the state line. I mean, it was so noticeable. All of the wine glasses in the limo started rattling. Yeah. And it's very apparent our road standards are subpar. And I hearken back to a convo I had with a major road builder in our community who does roads in Louisiana and Texas. Owner of a construction company. Yes, yes. absolutely. And he knows he's been doing it for 20 plus years, better than that. And... He told me one night while we were out with a different group. It was a, an event that we just happened to meet meet each other at. And there were other people there. And we were talking about the roads. And he goes, let me tell you the problem with the roads. And I said, please do, do tell. Yeah. And he said, the standards in Texas are way more stringent than they are in Louisiana. When now, you now, Aaron Buchanan told us it's federal standards. And Louisiana holds to the same federal standards as do other states. Well, apparently Texas has stricter requirements than federal standards. They want their roads to be better. Ah, so they may have tougher standards. Um, but he said if you go bid on a road in, in, in Texas, let's say you have to do a six-inch whatever. Substrate. Subs, yeah. Right. In Texas, it's got to be nine or 12. It's different. So it costs more to build the roads in Texas, and you're going to spend more money doing it, and it might take a little bit longer, but your road will last longer. And I I buried that story in the back of my brain, and I remembered it for years, and, I, and I've told it on the air a few times. Well, I got a text yesterday from State Rep. Cedric Glover, who really wanted to talk to whoever it was I spoke with. Mm -hmm. Because he said, look, he gets and he gaslit. Said, he said, look, I want to speak confidentially. Yes. I, I want the insight. Right. And I'm not naming the contractor because, quite frankly, it might cost him work. Right. If he outs our Department of Transportation, it could cost him work. And so I and, and Cedric Glover knew that. And I'm like, and, you, and you, know, you know what? Kudos to Cedric. Absolutely. For, he said, for taking initiative and going, look, what can we do to mm -hmm. make this better? He said we get, you know, if he brings this up, you know, people go, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no, you know, where do you get the proof and all that? And so I connected him with this builder. And hopefully they're going to be able to kind of get to the bottom of it because he says something that is interesting. And I'm quoting Cedric here. There is not an interstate, state highway, or local road in Shreveport that meets the same qualitative standards as any comparable road in Longview, Tyler, or DFW. And shame on us if they don't. And, I, and he's talking about state or federal highway. Now, I, look, I will say this. I've driven through Dallas quite a bit. My daughter lives over there. 
there are some roads in Dallas that are horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, worse than what we've got. Yes. Some Now, some roads. Now, maybe their federal highways are better. But I'm telling you, that it, it ain't all roses and champagne right, but if when you, you're driving if you through like some of the cities. If now, you I know stacked what you're them up saying. per capita, right. I would bet they would spank us oh, to the moon and back. And that's the thing. We need to work on that. If it's true, if it's happening, we need lawmakers like Cedric Glover and others to step up and go, look, we want our roads up to the standards that Texas is using or other states are using right. so what, that we What are they doing that yeah. we need to be doing? So Absolutely. they're not falling apart every 10 or 15 years. And we have to, because we're going to, we're going to build this interstate up to, you know, in Bossier. Well, what if we're not building it to standards that'll last another 50 years? But, but even what they're doing in Bossier and kudos, by golly, you know, you're, you're making an effort and I thank you for that. But that's still a very small section of mm-hmm. what needs to be done. Right. Yeah, they're they're addressing the worst part. But also, when you're coming from Oban and Road, and then you make that curve around up, up the overpass, and mm-hmm. you're heading toward downtown, you know, where you're heading toward Diamond Jacks. Right. That'll, Aaron, that'll bounce you off the interstate. Oh, absolutely. If you're on a, again... You want to see how bad our roads are, ride a motorcycle. Yeah. It'll bounce you off the bike if you're not aware and careful. Absolutely. It's a mess. It really is a mess. And we got to figure out what they're doing differently and try to try to do it. Because they're better in Texas. It's just no doubt about it. No doubt. <laughs> Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 1017. By the way, Kate Brumley, Superintendent of Education, joining us here in about 20. 20- Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Did you watch any of the football game last night? No, I read last night. I did my, some more reading. Just kind of chilled. Well, good for you. Didn't want to watch any TV at all, so. I was going to because I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. and how he was going to do with, you know, how the O-line was and what their season might look like. I'm not particularly an Aaron Rodgers fan. I used to be more so. Yeah. I don't know. He kind of turned freaky. I don't know. I'm not a big fan. But I I, I was curious. But uh, I was watching some of the pre-game but then I got, they, they hit some kind of story that I didn't care about. And I said, I want to see if there's any 9-11 documentaries. I knew there would be something oh, running. Yeah. Aaron, I ended up on the National Geographic channel. And I was like, I started, it was just fascinating. And there was a, um, on 9-11, there was a documentary film crew that was with some of the New York Fire Department. And they were on this call. It was just a benign gas leak call. Mm-hmm. And the film crew was there, and they were filming this this battalion chief. And I guess they were going at it from his perspective in the day in the life. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board about that film crew because I was like, why is there a camera with this guy? Yeah. But they were in, they were doing a documentary. Uh, but that, that was the moment 
when they were on out in the middle of the street because they had it blocked off and they were checking for this gas leak when the plane flew over. And even the firefighters looked up because it was so low and it was, yeah. a, you know, a big old jet airliner just steal from Steve Miller. And uh, and it hit the tower and the and the camera crew had panned up to see what it was as well mm-hmm. and and actually got the plane hitting the tower. And from what I understand, aside from some kind of blurry security footage, that's the only footage of the first plane hitting. That's the only real clear footage of the first plane hitting the tower. And it was. It was direct from the side that the plane hit. It was right right, you know, Mm. into the building. And it was just, it just was happenstance that there was a documentary crew with this battalion chief and his crew. Mm. And, And then of course they immediately all got into their their trucks and, and gear and headed toward the World Trade Center. And Went then, down of there. course, the rest is, is history. And that cam- that camera crew was with them. Uh, and they pulled right up to the front door yeah. of that tower. Right. I mean, Golly. the front door of that tower. And, uh, it, and, 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 I, and I say that to say I couldn't even go back to the football game. It just felt so hollow and so shallow to go back to let's watch football right exactly when when we're remembering this this horrendous horrific day in american history and and what these people went through and not you know obviously we lost 3000 people uh in that and mm-hmm. There was one guy, he was obviously from Ireland, they they were interviewing, and he had come across a lady that had been severely burned, and he was telling his story. And turns out, uh, he got the lady, they were out on the street, and they finally got paramedics to tend to her, and he was saying the Lord's Prayer with her on the street the moment the second plane hit the other tower. And he said he got a call from his brother-in-law saying, hey, where is, I think her name was Ruth. Where is Ruth, which was his sister, the man's wife? And he's like, he says, my sister and I are very close. He goes, I, I, why don't you know where she is? Mm. But she was on that second plane. Oh, God. He was saying the Lord's Prayer with a victim on the ground when his sister's plane hit the tower. And, and I just, I, I again, everything else felt so shallow at that moment. Right. I, I couldn't go to a football. It was even callous seeming to me at the moment to go to, you know, a commercial and start advertising, you know, eh, mm-hmm. depends. I mean, you know, I was like, it, it just, it just struck me at the moment. Did it, did it? Something hit me yesterday that I, I didn't see it until I was watching the some of the news um, this morning when I woke up. Do you know President Biden didn't mark the anniversary in New York or D.C.? He was in Alaska. Who made a trip? Who scheduled a trip to Alaska for the United States president on September 11th? They traditionally go to New York and they're part of that ceremony. Or they're in D.C. at the you know at the Pentagon for part of that ceremony. He's in Alaska. Who scheduled that? 
What member of his staff thought it was a good idea? You can't blame him because frankly, maybe he's, he's en route to and to or from whatever summit he's going to. I don't know. He's not aware of anything going on. But it's I was kind of like this just doesn't look right. On one of the his, most historic days in your nation's history, mm-hmm. you're not where the country needs to see you from. So Jill Biden stepped in at one of the locations and Kamala Harris stepped in at the other. And I'm I'm like, golly, this is when we need our president the most. And maybe I'm t- making too much of it. But if no, I was if I, I had a so. family member that lost their life or I have a, a emergency crew member who's right. now struggling with lung issues because of their sacrifices and our president's on a little jaunt somewhere. And I know it's business, whatever. It's world business. But it's not business that couldn't wait that you schedule another day to travel on. I just found it a bad taste in my mouth for Joe Biden on this one. And I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm alone on that. But I thought it was what? What are you doing there? Yeah, you're not alone. OK, thanks. Mike and McCarty, Kate Brumley, superintendent of education. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One hundred one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty just in front of our discussion with Louisiana State Superintendent of Education uh, Dr. Kate Brumley joining us next. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on one hundred one seven FM and seven ten Keel on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Louisiana Superintendent of Education, Dr. Kate Brumley, joining us. Dr. Brumley, just when you think you've heard everything. Pib alert, pib alert. Yeah. Mm. You're, uh, you're addressing this situation with the Biden administration as they attempt to remove archery, hunter safety programs, and gun safety classes from our schools. Erin, what are they calling this act? Um, it is the United States in Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Safer Communities Act. They're masters at word manipulation. What? Sorry, I'll let you speak. They're going to stop funding for some of those programs that are in our schools? Safety programs. Yeah, did I hear that right? Is this bogus? Well, look, the um, Bipartisan Safer Communities Act uh, flowed out tremendous funding to school systems or, uh, across uh, across the nation. Um, and, and what we in Louisiana decided to use our funding for was um, uh, access control. Um, you know, it's one-time funds, and so we said we want to made sure that school systems can, if they so desire, uh, receive grants for single points of entry to make sure that their locks on their doors are properly working, um, hardening, hardening those perimeters because it was one-time dollars, and so we wanted to use it for one-time costs. So we, we floated out about $20, $20 million across the state for that. Well, what ended up happening is, is someone within uh, the federal education department uh, took a provision – of that particular act that says funding cannot be used for the training in in the use of a dangerous weapon, which most people understood to mean don't take this money and and go train uh, security guards in your schools and how to use a gun, um, and and they have uh, taken that language and determined that that means that 
you can no longer have archery programs in schools or hunter safety or um, sorry, you know, shooting sports. I would laugh, so, but I, it's only to keep from so crying. You would lose funding if you have an archery program, but you're trying to use the money to harden your school. Yeah, and so it's it's a bit crazy. And so um, what what I did, what I what I did is I talked to a number of our congressional offices and, and, and senators officers in our in our state um, with our federal delegation. Um, and after conversations with them, I just determined that I was going to send a letter to our school systems across the state and say, look, if, if you have archery programs in your schools, if you have hunter safety, if you have shooting sports. Like the, the, the federal administration's interpretation of this language is just erroneous and extreme. And just continue with your archery programs, continue with your hunter safety, continue with your, you know, shooting sports, if that's something that you do within your local system. I mean, for us, programs like archery and, and hunter safety in Louisiana have a rich history. Um, and I just think it's, it's erroneous of the federal administration to think that it's you know, a vital a, part a, of a our sport. culture. Yeah, I think it's it's erroneous for them to think that. Yeah, for them to think that a kid in 4-H or FFA, you know, learning how to shoot a bow and arrow, um, is really hazardous to the health of our citizens. So um, I just uh, advised our systems to ignore uh, that particular rule, and if we get um, challenged in any particular way, we'll we'll fight back. No funding's been cut off yet, no or threatened at this point that you know about. Nope, nope, it hasn't. Um, but I, I was receiving uh, questions from systems across the state who had who had seen this interpretation out of D.C. and they said, "Hey, what are we going to do?" And and so that's whenever I started making some calls and ultimately decided just to issue a letter to school systems across the state saying to ignore ignore that interpretation and continue with the program. The, the scores that we recently we're switching gears now because the scores that recently came out saw that we have a need for. Um, some some pretty s- stiff work on m- the math front, and you're taking steps already. Explain your math initiative that you're working on. Well, the last few years we've focused heavily on on literacy and, and just getting back to the basics and teaching kids phonics, and, and that has worked. You know, we led the nation in fourth grade reading growth. Uh, we've seen a good uptick uh, in our reading proficiency in Louisiana and our in our elementary schools. Um, and what we're trying to do now is is look at can we take that same approach and, and mirror that for uh, math. What what you see in Louisiana and, and frankly across the country uh, in mathematics is as as kids kind of go through the grades, overall proficiency goes down in, in mathematics as a whole. And that doesn't just happen here; that that's happening everywhere. And so one of the one of the beliefs that that we hold in in, in our administration at the at the state agency is that we need to do a better job with foundational math skills in early grades like you know things like teaching kids their multiplication uh, tables that stuff actually works and matters you know working with fractions um you know getting out rulers and measuring things and so we're encouraging uh school systems across the state and we're trying to provide resources for them to, to do this um, to give those elementary students more time to work on their number sense. And, and we talk about becoming fluent readers. We need, we need to be spending time becoming more fluent in math as well in those early grades around some of those basic foundational skills that I feel like we have not, not you or I per se, but in general, uh, neglected over time. And, and we've got to get back to those foundational math skills at an early age. Are they still doing 
estimations. I remember at, at a at a rehearsal one night, a mom was working with her daughter on math problems, and it was like estimations. They weren't doing actual like read. I mean, addition and division and subtraction. What is that? Yeah, yeah. Well, look. I mean, I, I, I've talked about this a number of times. I think that in a um, in a in a quest to better understand higher order math skills at an early age, we neglected foundational skills. And so what, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to put emphasis and essentially give permission for people to understand, look, it, it is okay to spend time letting kids do math problems, do, do multiplication, do division, get some flashcards out, you know, what, whatever it takes to build some of that math repetition uh, and math fluency, we need to be doing because it's, it's pretty clear across the country that as students go from third to fourth to fifth to sixth, seventh, eighth, that proficiency in math goes down. Uh, I believe it's because math stacks on math. You need to know mm-hmm. fourth grade math to know fifth grade math. And if we don't build those foundational skills early, we're not going to see the success later. And another thing I'll, I'll, I'll say, and I, I may have shared this before on this program, but we we have to stop telling some kids that they're not a math kid. Every kid has to be a math kid, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we can't, we can't say, well, you didn't, you're not doing so well in math. So you're, you're not a math kid. Maybe, maybe go look at this other subject. No, with, mm-hmm. with our elementary schools and the elementary grades, we need to make sure every kid's a math kid. Okay. There, there is still a struggle to find teachers. Um, you almost have to be called to this profession now because it's not a, one of the higher paying professions and you're dealing with a lot of stuff. Um, what are you, what are you putting out there to try to recruit more teachers to our classrooms yeah i mean i think you make a really good point uh aaron that that it, in many ways it, it is it is a calling and uh it is uh an incredibly challenging job it's also very rewarding um what what we're thinking about doing uh continuing to do and what we have done uh, is try to build more pathways to the classroom and so essentially what, what we have created over the last few years through legislation and policy at our state board uh, is the ability for any individuals, if you have a master's degree, a bachelor's degree, even an associate's degree, like there is a pathway into the teaching profession for you. And we'll be announcing soon some, some additional uh, entry points into the classroom for people who are interested. I'm Jennifer Kishika with I your money now. Your, Sports your, gambling you know, giant DraftKings apologize you know, for a bet parlay you offer. Someone you know that would have paid out of three New York teams, one on the 22nd anniversary of the September 11th terror attacks that killed almost 3,000 Americans. The parlay DraftKings was touting early Mondays and never forget a term frequently applied to the September 11th attacks. The parlay would have paid out if the Yankees over the last couple of years, we have reduced those vacancies through a number of different such as uh, ways. But still, um, we, Apple we still is have holding its annual hardware event at its headquarters in Cupertino, California, today to, be, to announce to updates for some of its um, products, including the, the iPhone Guardian and Apple really Watch. More there likely the, will be four new iPhones, two base models, and two higher priced If someone is out there and they hold a degree and they have even the slightest bit of interest, I would encourage them to contact their business and learn what options are available. 
or the next in, in our last on minute or so here, uh, September is uh, Attendance Awareness Month. Now. We have a truancy issue China starts problem, teaching financial literacy in preschool? Well, American we kids we are getting left behind, but we can help at home thanks to the Vincibles, a team of animated superheroes who help kids develop smart money habits in a fun way. Each month, they get a kit in the mail with a DVD, a comic book, access to an interactive website, fun activities, and lots more. Visit vcs-kids.com today and enter promo code CENT for 20% off. Digital subscriptions also available. The Sensibles. It's the sensible thing to do. My doctor told me my cholesterol is poor. This is Attendance Awareness Month in Louisiana. School is not optional. So uh, everyone needs to do their part just to make sure that kids are in school as much as possible every day. Dr. Kate Brumley, Superintendent of Education. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you talking with us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kate. 101.7 FM. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Josh Rubin. I lost the toe. Oh, Wow. <laughs> We, yeah. The satellite jumped on us in the middle of the, the, the end, last part of Cade. So. Yeah, I thought I deleted it, but I guess I didn't. We will uh, replay it at 840. Well, there's no all. forgiveness on the message board. No, Ruben. no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I, I was just saying I could screw up a hundred things during the show, and that would be the one, the only one I hear about it, because yeah. it's the most annoying. It's just there's nothing more annoying than double audio. Yeah, but yeah. when yeah. I Sorry sit over that. there, I screw up 200 things <laughs> over there. So I'm still not going to condemn you for making a mistake. And we have to, we have to give Ruben the benefit of the doubt on Tuesdays. We just have to. Oh, yeah. It's a, a day after band practice, so I'm a little uh, foggy. <laughs> yeah, Monday like, nights are a late night for you. <laughs> like, I have wine Wednesday, so Thursday Thursday's I'm gratis. Monday nights, Ruben is busy with the boys, and so Tuesday, we've got to give him a little. We might glue his toe back on. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, you don't see me cutting off any toes for him any, in, in any face, fashion. And mine grow back. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a lizard over yeah. there. <laughs> well, we're going to talk local politics coming up after 8 o'clock, correct? We are. We've got Chris Turner, who's a, rep, a state rep, District 9 candidate, mm -hmm. going to be joining us coming up after the uh, top of the hour. Yeah, so he's running against uh, Dodie Horton, I believe, in in the Bozier race. And, you know, why is he running? A lot of people are saying, you know, she's very popular. Uh, what's he doing in the race? And They're we'll... saying she's one of the few conservatives mm -hmm. in Baton Rouge. Yes. She did not vote to bust the spending cap. Right. So she got punished. Yes, she did. By the current administration mm -hmm. because she held firm. And her colleagues, to be quite blunt. Right. In the House, they, you know, they pulled the, the, those the, bills, so. I think there were seven mm -hmm. that held firm and said no. Right. Chris Turner's opposing her. He wants her seat. Uh, we'll ask him why. How would he have voted on those items? Would he, you know, um, sometimes you have to play nice to get nice. I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes no. Sometimes you got to go, uh-uh. Not for, not for this. We'll find out what he says. 101.7 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with candidate for state rep district nine, which is the uh, Houghton Bossier City area. Uh, Chris Turner joining us this morning. First of all, good morning. Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Doing very well. Tell folks who Chris Turner is. And why you're running for the seat? I'm a local Houghton boy. Grew up in Houghton. 
Um, retired U.S. Marshal. Was a Louisiana State Trooper for about five years. Started in law enforcement as a reserve officer with Bossier City Police Department. Army Gulf War veteran. Was in the Army National Guard for nine years. Got called up out of college and sent overseas. I'm married to a career educator. Uh, both my kids, my wife, all, we all grew up and were born and raised and graduated from Halton High School and just ready to get into politics and try to make a difference. Why? Why are you in the race? Yeah, so wh- Who encouraged you? Oh, I had tons of encouragement. Lots of friends, a lot of local elected officials. Uh, You're naming names? Anybody support no, you? No, I mean, I don't really want to do, I okay. don't want to, like, put people out. Some of them are in office and, you know, are behind the scenes and, and frustrated. And, uh, you know, some of them are just, just local friends that, that know me and, and kind of know what I stand for and, and know my leadership abilities and think I can do a good job. Now, Dodie Horton seems to be a well-loved representative for that area. She seems to be doing a good job what uh, why are you encouraged to run against her i think we're missing out on a lot of infrastructure funding coming back to district nine and the parish you know bozier parish is one of the the highest tax parishes in the state and yet we seem to get very little in return for our investment and our tax dollars um i think there's a lot of frustration with the networking and working with the local officials to try to get things done and for whatever reason, I think some of those folks have latched on to me and think that I can do a good job with my background and leadership abilities in law enforcement, transcribing that to the floor of the House. She got um, a lot of criticism for, you know, sticking strong and, and voting against busting the spending cap. Would you have voted like that? I think, uh, number one, that's our tax dollars. Uh, so that's that means that we're being overtaxed and, and underserved, to be honest with you. Um I don't know that busting the spending cap was a great idea, but knowing that it was going to pass and, and, and pass unanimously and, and standing a chance of missing out on a couple of hundred million, on almost a couple of hundred million. It wasn't dollars. unanimous. Just to have, I mean, there were a few holdouts. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. a few, yeah, there was a few holdouts, but 85 out of 105 is, is pretty strong. So you would have compromised, do you think, in an effort it, to get infrastructure back yes, for your city? Yes, I think. And in, in, in hindsight, absolutely. I think I think we needed that money in our area. That's real money. That's $140 million for the Jimmy Davis Bridge that, that's going to have to be put back in uh, at some point further down the road in another session. That was $11 million for the Sheriff's Department in Bossier for a new criminal detectives building. That was, I think, $3 million for the water system in Halton, uh, a new water tower and, and much-needed water improvements for the fastest-growing Municipality, the second fastest growing municipality north of I-10 is the is the town of Halton. Um, we lost several priority one road projects in Bossier Parish as a result of that decision. So yes, I would have bust, I would have voted to bust the spending cap. But that being said, I'm not a high tax, big government candidate by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, the, there's been some talk about. Um Dodie Horton spent some time on um, efforts with uh, LGBTQ bills, um, God back in the classroom bills, and some have criticized her for that, spending too much time on those kinds of bills. Do you have that same criticism or no? I have probably a lot of the same conservative Christian values and beliefs, um, but I think what we need to be focusing on right now is – getting our resources back in this area i mean i drove on interstate 20 coming over here it's in terrible shape Uh, a lot of our roads are in terrible shape 
And I think we need to focus on getting projects funded back in our area. Okay. Gas tax increase. We have an $18 billion backlog of road projects. You talked about our, our road conditions. Do we need to look at that? It's been many, many years since we've increased that gas tax. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm for lower taxes. I'm for doing away with the state income tax. I, I love flat taxes. Um, I think they're fair and equitable to all. Um, I, I'm never going to be a candidate that's going to paint themselves in a corner and say, I will never do something. Um, I would have to look at it and, and have to be well-educated on the reasons why. I know Texas pays a tremendous uh, amount more money in gas taxes than we do in Louisiana. So I, I can't say that I would never support something like that, but I would need to look at it and be better educated on it. To make you, that call. you bring a, a, a very heavy law enforcement background, a state trooper, Bozier uh, City Police Officer, um, U.S. Marshal's Office. What about the uh, the right to citizens to bear arms? Do you think the Constitution, do you think, would you eliminate our, our need for a concealed carry permit? Absolutely. I support constitutional carry. I would much rather see somebody carrying concealed and not see a weapon than see open carry. Um, look, when I started as a U.S. Marshal, I ran the Violent Offender Task Force tracking the most dangerous fugitives in the world. Um, it was uncommon to encounter armed violent fugitives. When I, when I, right before I retired, it was uncommon for them not to be armed and not to be armed with multiple weapons. So the bad guys are carrying. We need you and me and Aaron and Ruben all to have that same right and ability to carry to protect ourselves, our families, and those around us. And those, and I would encourage those that do want to, you know, be responsible, learn how to properly use, carry, and mm-hmm. defend yourself. But yes. learn how to do it. Yes. You but have to I be agree. responsible. I agree. We, we need the right to constitutional carry. Lawmakers in 2017, I believe, passed uh, Justice Reinvestment Act. Um, some would say it has caused some of the spike in crime we're seeing today. Do you support any part of that program? Would you support uh, re- completely revamping it? There was, I think it was a 10-bill package, and I've worked with Sheriff Prater a good bit on this. Um, he is the resident expert on JRA. Um, I think out of that 10-bill package, there may have been a couple that were reasonable, and, and the vast majority were not. And as a result of that, we've emptied a large number of, of beds in our state prison system. And a lot of those are violent offenders that are back on the streets. And it's being proven now that they're habitually offend, uh, uh, offenders and they're continuing to commit crimes after being released as part of this act. So it, it needs to change. That's one of the things I'm going to go to Baton Rouge with, with my background and, and law enforcement experience. Uh, I'm going to go down there with bill packages ready to address this and to try to get us back on track. Police officers on the street cannot have a positive effect on crime if they're arresting the same violent offenders over and over again. Before we wrap, last thing, biggest difference between you and State Rep. Dodie Horton? I'm not making this about my opponent. I'm making this about me. I think I bring a unique perspective with my 30 years in law enforcement and my war experience overseas uh, that we don't have on the floor of the House right now. Uh, I think I bring in some extensive leadership uh, abilities, and I think I'm going to be able to have an extremely positive effect on the floor of the House to get responsible legislation passed. 
Chris Turner, candidate for State Rep District 9. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you for having me. 101.7 FM. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Are you telling me a political ad could be misleading? Mm-hmm. What? How can that be? If it's on TV, it must be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's on the Internet, it has to be real. Oh. Yeah, it's a. it was an ad that was run uh, by some political action committee. I mean, big time attacking Jeff Landry. And I, I didn't look at the commercial. Have you looked at it? Well, I mean, they're, I haven't looked at the actual commercial. No, they're bashing him, and he took it to court. His team took it to court, and he he got a TRO, which is pretty rare. Yeah, the ad claims, and uh, kind of recap this a little bit. Uh, as Attorney General Jeff Landry has failed miserably, a lawsuit filed against Landry's office stated. That a wealthy donor found with child porn had a personal connection with Landry. Well, Mm. they say no. The defendant was arrested, convicted, and sentenced to jail. And finance records show the defendant has never contributed to any of Jeff Landry's campaigns. And the attorney for the defendant's family said they have no connections to Jeff Landry. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we get this all the time during the campaign season. Ah, you need to pull that ad. It's not true. It's not true. It's real hard to get an ad pulled. It's really difficult. Oh, yeah. You have to have absolute proof that it's not true. Um, You know, Landry's camp is saying that it is absolutely tied to Stephen Waggisback. Um, His folks are going to deny that. But it is a a pack they're calling it. It's a dark money pack or whatever you want to call it. But that sounds so ominous. Yeah, but a they, dark money they pack. got the ad pulled at least temporarily. Now I, I guess the pack may go back to court and you know try to fight it. I don't know what the ultimate result will be, but it's interesting when you have a you know a court fight over a commercial. Not likely that they're going to get pulled very often, but this time it has happened. Um, the Landry Camp won this round, and I'm sure there are more rounds to come after this. But it's just i mean it's silly season this is what happens but then but look the creators of the ad are now they're still they're still going success look people mm-hmm. are talking about it yeah yeah and and people will go look at the ad they'll go you know see it we have waggis back joining us tomorrow we'll ask him about it you know they've kind of made some kind of leaps and connections to the waggis back campaign with you know some of the donations that they were able to trace um you know, now, he's going to say I had I, nothing I no to do with that. Right. I didn't. Pl- I didn't plan exactly. that. Uh, I mean, that's what they're going to say. And 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 they and a candidate can always say, "Look, I have no control over what a pack does." They, and they don't. And they don't. They don't. Uh, understandably. And you know, and you, when you have people that are donating money to you, you. You know, it's very rare that you turn it down. I mean, you know, you've got people willing to donate campaign money to you. Now, do you give them marching orders and say, don't run negative ads? You know, have you told all your donors, don't do that? Don't do that. Don't be connected to that. You know, but no. if, if you're a candidate and you get Soros money, 
Mm-hmm. Do you turn that down? Well, the, the thing is, you a lot of people take that money. And, and Soros money comes in a lot of different forms. Well, it comes from different right. packs. Yeah, it's and not you a may check not from able, George no, Soros. No, it's never a check from George Soros. It's different packs that he funds. And you could you can distance yourself from those. You can go, you know, he funds a lot of things. Hmm. So do I turn it all down? Eh, there's PAC money out there that they want to fund campaigns, and I need money to run a campaign. So it's it's a tough question when you're in in politics these days. But now you and I may vote differently. Mm-hmm. But if I know a candidate is Soros funded. You can bet I'm not voting for that candidate. Oh, I, I agree. Because I, they're going to typically be well, of course, they're bought the, and paid for to the liberal side, and and there's going to be people that are say there's a bought and paid for on the other side too. I mean, the, everybody's not all sweet and innocent in this. The, the, these candidates, a lot of uh, candidates, do things. It's not like one side does everything right and rosy all the time. It's not like that. I'm not saying that. It's shady on both sides. It just depends on which way you lean. <laughs> so, prudent. <laughs> so we have uh, we have two of the gubernatorial candidates tomorrow. That's right. Stephen Wagesback joining us in the seven o'clock hour, and uh, Sean Wilson coming up in the eight o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. Dr. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Why would you recall bacon? (laughs) Why? Well, it's a bacon-wrapped jalapeno. And it's got... it, apparently, it's got a milk product in it because there's cheese in there, and it's not properly labeled. Is this some kind of freezer section thing? It looks like it's uh, yeah, it's look it looks like a deli type thing. Okay, it's stuffed with cream cheese. It looks delish, um, but it comes from custom made meats out of Denver, and they were sold across Louisiana. You can see the dates, the the ship, the code dates, and all on it at keelnews.com. But it's those, those, it's raw bacon around a jalapeno that's stuffed with, it looks delicious. Now they say the jalapeno, what makes it hotter, the seeds. So oh, if yeah. you scoop it out, mm-hmm. the jalapeno's not like eye-watering hot. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, I because always Because I like scooped, the flavor of jalapeno, I but I don't. I scoop the seeds out. Okay. Now if you've got any of these bacon-wrapped jalapeno peppers that are recalled, just uh, jump in my DMs, let me know, I'll come pick them up. I'm good with milk. You don't need to throw them away. Throw them away. I can have the milk, so I'll come get them from you. And uh, just don't toss them because I'm okay with milk. Dr. Kate Brumley, Superintendent of Education, joining us next. One on one. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on one oh one seven FM and seven ten Kiel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Louisiana Superintendent of Education, Dr. Kate Brumley, joining us. Dr. Brumley, just when you think you've heard everything. Pib alert, pib alert. Yeah. <sighs> you're, uh, you're addressing the situation with the Biden administration as they attempt to remove archery, hunter safety programs, and gun safety classes from our schools. Erin, what are they calling this act? Um, it is the United States in Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Safer Communities Act. They're masters at word manipulation. What? 
Sorry, I'll let you speak. They're going to stop funding for some of those programs that are in our schools? Safety programs. Yeah, did I hear that right? Is this bogus? Well, look, the um, Bipartisan Safer Communities Act uh, flowed out tremendous funding to school systems or, uh, across uh, across the nation. Um, and, and what we in Louisiana decided to use our funding for was um, uh, access control. Um, you know, it's one-time funds, and so we said we want to – Make sure that school systems can, if they so desire, uh, receive grants for single points of entry to make sure that their locks on their doors are properly working, um, hardening, hardening those perimeters because it was one-time dollars, and so we wanted to use it for one-time costs. So we, we flowed about, out about $20, $20 million across the state for that. Well, what ended up happening is, is someone within uh, the federal education department uh, took a provision – of that particular act that says funding cannot be used for the training in in the use of a dangerous weapon, which most people understood to mean don't take this money and and go train uh, security guards in your schools and how to use a gun, um, and and they have uh, taken that language and determined that that means that uh, you can no longer have archery programs in schools or hunter safety or. Um, I'm sorry you know, to laugh. Sports. I would laugh, so, but I, it's only to keep from so crying. You would lose funding if you have an archery program, but you're trying to use the money to harden your school. Yeah, and so it's it's a bit crazy. And so um, what what I did, what I what I did is I talked to a number of our congressional offices and, and, and senators, officers in our in our state, um, with our federal delegation. Um, and after conversations with them, I just determined that I was going to send a letter to our school systems across the state and say, look, if, if you have archery programs in your schools, if you have hunter safety, if you have shooting sports, like the, the, the federal administration's interpretation of this language is just erroneous and extreme, and just continue with your archery programs, continue with your hunter safety, continue with your you know shooting sports, if, if that's something that you do within your local system. I mean, for us... Programs like archery and, and hunter safety in Louisiana have a rich history, um, and I just think it's it's erroneous of the federal administration to think that it's you know, a vital a, part a, of a our sport. culture. Yeah, I think it's it's erroneous Sportsman's for them paradise. to think that. Yeah, for them to think that a kid in 4-H or FFA, you know, learning how to shoot a bow and arrow um, is really hazardous to the health of our citizens. So um, I just uh, advised our systems to ignore. Uh, that particular rule, and if we get um, challenged in any particular way, we'll we'll fight back. No funding's been cut off yet, no or threatened at this point that you know about. Nope, nope, it hasn't. Um, but I I was receiving uh, questions from systems across the state who had who had seen this interpretation out of D.C. and they said, "Hey, what are we going to do?" and and so that's whenever I started making some calls and ultimately decided just to issue a letter to school systems across the state saying to ignore ignore that interpretation and continue with the program the the scores that we recently we're switching gears now because the scores that recently came out saw that we have a need for um some some pretty stiff work on the math front and you're taking steps already explain your math initiative that you're working on well, the last few years, we've focused heavily on, on literacy and, and just getting back to the basics and teaching kids phonics, and, and that has worked. You know, we led the nation in fourth-grade reading growth. Uh, we've seen a good uptick uh, in our reading proficiency in Louisiana and in our, in our elementary schools. 
Um, and what we're trying to do now is is look at can we take that same approach and, and mirror that for uh, math. What what you see in Louisiana and, and frankly across the country uh, in mathematics is as as kids kind of go through the grades, overall proficiency goes down in, in mathematics as a whole. And that doesn't just happen here; that that's happening everywhere. And so, one of the one of the beliefs that that we hold in in, in our administration at the at the state agency is that we need to do a better job with foundational math skills in early grades, like you know things like teaching kids their multiplication uh, tables that stuff actually works and matters. You know, working with fractions, um, you know, getting out rulers and measuring things, and so. We're encouraging uh, school systems across the state, and we're trying to provide resources for them to, to do this, um, to give those elementary students more time to work on their number sense. And, and we talk about becoming fluent readers. We need, we need to be spending time becoming more fluent in math as well in those early grades around some of those basic foundational skills that I feel like we have not, not you or I per se, but in general – uh, neglected over time, and, and we've got to get back to those foundational math skills at an early age. Are they still doing estimations? I remember at, at a at a rehearsal one night, a mom was working with her daughter on math problems, and it was like estimations. They weren't doing actual like read. I mean, addition and division and subtraction. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I, I, I've talked about this a number of times. I think that in a um, in a in a quest to better understand higher order math skills at an early age, we neglected foundational skills. And so, what what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to put emphasis and essentially give permission for people to understand. Look, it, it is okay to spend time letting kids do math problems. Do do multiplication, do division, get some flashcards out, you know, what, whatever it takes to build some of that math repetition uh, and math fluency, we need to be doing because it's, it's pretty clear across the country that as students go from third to fourth to fifth to sixth, seventh, eighth, that proficiency in math goes down. Uh, I believe it's because math stacks on math. You need to know mm-hmm. fourth grade math to know fifth grade math. And if we don't build those foundational skills early, we're not going to see the success later. And another thing I'll, I'll, I'll say, and I, I may have shared this before on this program, but we we have to stop telling some kids that they're not a math kid. Every mm-hmm. kid has to be a math mm-hmm. kid, you know. And we we can't we can't say, well, you didn't you're not doing so well in math, so you're you're not a math kid. Maybe, maybe go look at this other subject. No, with mm-hmm. with our elementary schools and the elementary grades, we need to make sure every kid's a math kid. Okay, there there is still a struggle to find teachers. Um, you almost have to be called to this profession now because it's not a, one of the higher paying professions and you're dealing with a lot of stuff. Um, what are you what are you putting out there to try to recruit te- more teachers to our classrooms? Yeah, I mean, I think you make a really good point, uh, Aaron, that that it, in many ways it, it is it is a calling and uh, it is uh, an incredibly challenging job. It's also very rewarding. Um, what what we're thinking about doing, uh, continuing to do, and what we have done, uh, is try to build more pathways to the classroom. And so essentially what, what we have created over the last few years through legislation and policy at our state board uh, is the ability for any individuals, if you have a master's degree, a bachelor's degree, even an associate's degree, 
like there is a pathway into the teaching profession for you. And we'll be announcing soon some some additional uh, entry points into the classroom for people who are interested. But I would just I would just say to your your you know your listening audience, you know if, if you you or someone you know has an associate's degree from one of our community colleges, or a bachelor's degree in any field, or a master's degree in any field, call your local school system and say, hey, I'm I'm interested in in learning more. Is there is there a place for me? Um, we have we have cut teaching vacancies. Over the last couple of years, we have reduced those vacancies through a number of different uh, ways, but still, um, we we still have teaching uh, positions ac- across the state that that need uh, to be to be filled. Um, and outside of the parent or guardian, there's really nothing more important to the to the academic success of a student than, than the teacher. And so, if, if someone is out there and and they hold a degree and they have even the slightest bit of interest, I would encourage them to contact their local school system to learn what options are available. In, in our last minute or so here, uh, September is uh, Attendance Awareness Month. We have a truancy issue problem, don't we? Well, we, we do in Louisiana and across the nation. We we actually made some some progress uh, on, on truancy, um, cut that by 3% across the state uh, last year, but, but more work uh, is is uh, is necessary. Uh, I think you have to have a strong communication between school systems and district attorneys and juvenile judges, uh, as well as faith-based and, and support groups uh, to, to support uh, those particular needs. But this is Attendance Awareness Month uh, in Louisiana. School is not optional, so uh, everyone needs to do their part just to make sure that kids are in school as much as possible every day. Dr. Kate Brumley, Superintendent of Education. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you talking with us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kate. 1017 FM. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Two, two, two mints in one. Remember that? Yes. Two candidates tomorrow for Governor Stephen Wagesback and Sean Wilson joining us. Mm-hmm. Two, two, ding, two minutes in one. Be a fun day. I uh, asked you all a question yesterday when we were off the air, and I want to ask it on the air today. Um, I'm going to give you six classic Louisiana dishes, food items. Ah. You have to give up one forever. Actually, I'm going to add a seventh because I thought about this driving home. Just making it I'm easy. Add a seventh one. Okay. You have to give up one forever. You can never have it again. Okay. Okay. Or um You'll die. You'll die. Yeah. You'll and <laughs> if you'll you eat it, you die. You'll die like the wicked witch. You'll melt. It'll be a yeah, slow, yeah. A gumbo, jambalaya, boiled crawfish, shrimp creole, crawfish etouffee. Boiled shrimp, and the one I just added to the list today, beignets. You have to give up one of them forever. Well, I'm technically supposed to give up beignets anyway. I'm not, I'm not giving up any kind of donut. That's for sure. <laughs> Me either. Yeah, never. That's what I'm saying. That'll never I happen. I still can't walk past a box of Southern Maid. I got in trouble for the one I eliminated. My oh, friends yeah. were like, you're crazy. Yeah. I would have to say the shrimp creole. I was okay. about to say the same thing. I, I very, I I very can, rarely I can, have it. Yeah. I mean, I like it okay, but I, yeah. I, sure. I, I so rarely have it. You would not I order it I cannot think of ever a time it. when I've yeah. gone into a restaurant and said, I'll take the shrimp Creole. Right. 
Okay, they don't make it right for you then. Uh, I'm giving up boiled crawfish, and I got in trouble for that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a stupid, <laughs> stupid decision. <laughs> yeah, that one's a little ridiculous. <laughs> just a little. I just It's too much Can't work. Can't even defend that. It's too much work for your food. You're not doing it right. No, it's very simple. Where's some ammo? <laughs> Steve, <laughs> yeah, because I need to throw some. Sean Wilson, Stephen Wagus back tomorrow. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710 Keel.